0: On the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the Armed Forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future And our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Well, hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and with me on the line is Professor Woody Wilson. Welcome, Woody.
1: Thank you, Felice. Glad to be here, as always.
0: Uh, Glad to have you, and today we're going to discuss elections and the importance of voting, and uh, Woody and I discussed this, and we're going to have a little bit different format today because I have a couple of questions uh, that are um, important to us, our family, and I think uh, some of you as well. So we're going to discuss today um, the president, the incumbent president, and, uh, or the sitting president, I guess would be more accurate to say, and right. whether or not um, his candidacy hurts or helps another candidate in his party. And so, you know, as most of you know, um, and most people can at least tell us who the president is. They did a survey just recently, on the news, and people could not tell you who the vice president was. (laughs) Could not, right? (laughs) Um, But that was it was quite humorous on one hand and just horrible on the other. But you know, right now our president is Barack Obama, and I know that he has not been showing up. Um, on purpose uh, to some of the Democratic rallies. Um, I think they sent his wife on a couple of, uh, of uh, you know, campaigns um, instead of him because, you know, people like Michelle better than ben Barack uh, at this point. But, you know, what he, you and I were talking and I asked, you know, have there been other polarizing presidents? But first let's start with the, the first part of the question and, presidents and how they can hurt and help a candidate. So let's discuss that.
1: Well, you know, obviously a popular president like Ronald Reagan in 1984, we say he has coattails and anybody running for the House or the Senate out in the states that is a Republican can just, uh, as as they go about the state making speeches, meeting people, they can just really capitalize on Reagan's popularity. And ride his right. coattails into office because he is so popular and I love – I'm a Senate, senatorial candidate and I just love Ronald Reagan. I agree almost 100% with everything and I'm going to support him when I get to the Senate. You know, that that really works. You have, uh, people mm-hmm. transfer their vote from Reagan to you. Right. But sometimes you have uh, guys that are just the opposite like George Bush in 2006 and Barack Obama right now – Barack Obama is very unpopular. He is down there where Bush was, down around the 39, 40% popularity or approval rating. So he is a factor, and the policies that we have seen for the last six years, and I'll be quite frank, Felice, and I am not being partisan or biased in this, I have never seen such a clumsy, incompetent, mistake-oriented presidency in my lifetime. In all the history I've studied, okay, there was uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and there was Warren Harding. Uh, I, th- I think that this six years has been even worse. I really can't think. I was uh, sitting in my chair the other day watching Fox News and thinking, what has what good has happened as a result of, of the executive branch, the presidential administration in the last six years. What good has happened? What, name one good thing, and I could not do it, and I still cannot. Everything has been a negative. It's like like, like he came into office with his fists doubled up against conservatives, Republicans, Christians, whatever, and he's been fighting against more than half of the American people for that entire time period to establish this agenda that swept him into office okay so six years later his popularity rating is from 65 percent down to 39 or 40 percent and his his history you know people are just people are just really really tense and nervous and, and worried about the United States I saw this decline coming a long time ago people are starting to see it now and people are worried they really are they're worried about their future they're worried about their children's future. What kind of a country is this going to be if this continues? And this is affecting the election. So Barack Obama and all of the policies, all of the scandals and mistakes and poor performances and incompetencies that we have seen are collectively affecting this election. In fact, it's kind of interesting. One of the things that kind of bugs me a little bit is Republican candidates for the Senate and for the House, and even for the governor's office, seem to have collectively agreed not to campaign on conservative principles, just campaign on Barack Obama's record. And if you're running against an incumbent Democrat, let's say a Republican challenger against Mary Landrieu in, uh, in Louisiana, who's been in the Senate forever, mm-hmm. um, right. you tie them to the president and you say, okay. My opponent, Mary Landrieu, has voted with the president in the last six years ninety nine percent of the time. Well that's a killer wow. because of his right. unpopularity. And right. um if you're if you're a Republican running running for an open seat like we have here in West Virginia, all you gotta do is say that my opponent is a Democrat and is likely to vote with uh, uh, the policies of President Obama and, and that gets you votes, you know. So so you're right. Uh, uh, this president's unpopularity and his, uh, his very discouraging record is having a powerful impact. But the thing that really bothers me is Republicans, conservatives should be out there campa- campaigning for limited government, civil liberties, jobs, paying off the national debt. And they're not doing it. They're not doing it. And I, th- I personally think they're losing a great opportunity to set the stage for the presidential election in 2016. And it's really too bad. And, uh, and of course, there are a lot of um, uh, people whose material I read who are essentially saying the same thing, and I agree 100%. And there are an awful right. lot of people, too, uh, out there, and we're seeing that they're just fed up with government. They're fed up with Democrats. They're fed up with Republicans. They're fed up with the whole thing. And what's that going to lead to? Uh, we'll see in 2016, or maybe we're going to see it on Election Day.
0: Right, because we have an Election Day as we're recording this um, in late October of 2014. We have an Election Day coming up in November. And, you know, it's it's amazing um, how much junk mail we get uh, that is election-related. And I pull out those, you know, glossy postcards, and the kids and I look at them and we analyze them. And we look good. at them with a the critical Great. eye and we have some really good discussion. I know it's like it, the school comes, comes to my mailbox. You know, I look at it that way. And, right. uh, you know, it's, it's exactly as, as you're saying, um, the, the Republican candidates are pointing out, um, their adversaries and saying, you know, this is how many times they voted with, um, with Obama and, and, uh, you know, pointing that out as well in advertising on the television. And they've got sound clips uh, that are really um, hurting the you know governor. That uh, you know Charlie Crist was our our governor. He was Republican. He was pro life. Uh, now he's coming um, up uh, for election, and he's a Democrat. And he's he was driving. also an
1: independent in there someplace too, right? Right.
0: Yes. In between that, I think I don't maybe before he was a Republican. I'm not sure. And now he's a Democrat, and you know he's not uh, pro-life. And um, <laughs> they had you know the flip-flop thing, and you know that on the on the advertising. And then they had sound clips where he said, you know, he's 100% behind Obama, and he thought that the healthcare, um, affordable healthcare act, which is you know a joke when you call it affordable. It was great, and it was perfect, and all of that. And, you know, I've been reading that one quarter of all doctors are refusing Obamacare. And so where is that going to leave people, Um, especially in smaller towns? Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of access here to medical care, but what about smaller towns where, you know, the doctors are denying coverage and people don't have money uh, to go and, and find another doctor who will? and then, um, you know, what, what kind, uh, kind of doctor or what are his qualifications, and it's just a mess. And so, um, you know, I know for us, our insurance was extended an additional year, and it has now been um, incorporated into the Affordable um, Health Care Act. So um, we already had other insurance. I wasn't going to wait to get the letter. I knew it was coming, and they actually extended it to December, um, because we've not had any claims in all the years we've been with them. So I'm sure that they're sad that they're having to regroup. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see when open enrollment is on the 15th, what those plans are going to be. And I just think, you know, isn't it amazing that open enrollment is after the elections, Woody, that it wasn't on oh, November
1: yeah. 1st,
0: you know? It that should it's have been, yeah,
1: right. They they put it off till after the election on purpose. Because it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful and it's going to be a mess, just like the rest of it. As a matter of fact, um, the number one issue in this election coming up next week is, in fact, the Affordable Care Act. And if you're saying um, that you would vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act or you would vote to significantly modify it to take away the pain, And to let people go back to their doctors and insurance companies, then you're going to get a majority of the votes on that issue. And that is the number one issue right now that people are concerned about. And and, uh, the number two issue is the economy. So on both of those, Republicans could really, if they just, you know, campaign not just on Obama's policies, but on uh, conservative principles and economic principles. Uh, they could take a real advantage. But going back to uh, your governor, Chris, this that guy is actually ahead in the poll by, well, within the margin of error. He's not really ahead; it's really a tie. But the fact that he is there, after all of this, all of his history, is really an indictment on the American voters in Florida. And shame on you, Florida, for not recognizing. But but who who are all these people? Who say they're going to vote for Christ? Well, an awful lot of them are illegal illegal aliens who are voting fraudulently, and there's an awful lot of that. There was a lot of that in uh, Florida. In um, 2008, for example, an investigation has been ongoing since that time that was showing that there was just massive voter fraud in Florida. And Obama only carried the state by about 600 votes. So is that how he carried the state? Uh, there's a lot of voter fraud going on. Um, North Carolina has already identified 1,500 ballots from illegal aliens. I don't know how wow. they did it. I don't know how they got the information, but those votes were tossed. But how many have they not seen? There's uh, right. reports of voter fraud in uh, several states, absentee ballots. You can go down to your county clerk and you can get a ballot and go home and sell it for $20 or uh, do whatever you want to with it, and people are doing that. It's just out of control. Now, 30 states have pl- passed voter ID laws and strict um, voter control laws to try to elim- eliminate fraudulent voting. But every time they do, the attorney general of the United States, Harry Colder, uh Barack Obama's good buddy, files a suit and gets an injunction and stops it. And, mm-hmm. you know, these are court cases that are stressed out 10, 12, 15 years. In the meantime, Wonderful. people are voting fraudulently. Uh, the uh, the uh, research that I saw just the other day in 2008, there were 106 million fraudulent votes. That, that was 6.4% of all votes cast. Now, if 90% of those went to Barack Obama, that's why he won the election. You take those out, John McCain's the president. And you had the same thing in 2012. I remember watching Ohio, and Ohio was uh, uh, sailing along towards Romney, and uh, all of a sudden the election results came in, and Obama carried Ohio and won the election as a result. You know, So that is a big problem. It has gotten worse and worse and worse. I think we used to be a more honorable, uh, honest um not bear deciding. false witness yeah. type type of people, right. and I think that that has really changed, and it has hurt every 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 aspect, every dimension of oh. our nation, including the political dimension. We're seeing the corruption there as well.
0: Now we we vote um, actually in our subdivision. It's really nice. It's the local church up the road, and they scrutinize your signature. They compare it. You have to have two forms of ID. I mean, it's really well done. And um, a couple – well, actually, it was during the, the presidential elections. They had rezoned and redistricted, and we were not voting there. And that was the one I complained about when our ballots were could not be scanned with us standing there because the scanner didn't work, and we were supposed to just dump them in a box where they would be scanned later. And, oh. you know – the There were loose papers, and I just couldn't imagine how that was going to get done. So we have no idea if our votes even counted, and so um, that was really disappointing. But, yes, it is is a big thing. And going back to our governor race here, um, they said that um, Scott was ahead before the debates, and after the debates, Chris sold himself as a pragmatist instead of an, you know, an idealist, and so that sold his, you know, he sold his message to independence. But um, part of the problem is, you know, um, Scott is still plagued by the problems he had when he was in corporate America. And right. while you know that um, is not a good thing, and you know they they said you know he's too shady for the Sunshine State is their little. Uh, their little slogan for for uh, for Scott, and so you know it's very catchy and you remember it whether or not you're going to vote for him, but it just is. You know they keep playing those commercials over and over again. Now he was able to overcome that last time because we were we needed um, somebody who was you know really good at getting jobs here. So he has been playing the job cards and showing how many you know 650 million. Uh, you know dollars have come in and so forth so on so he is doing that um and that's the thing you know that the, on the other flip side they are showing you know his um you know being against what obama stands for so you know those are some things but you know we're going to take a really uh quick break here and when we come back we're going to discuss uh the importance of elections um and we'll we'll get into that in just a moment all right The American Government and Elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class, recorded with a live audience, taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson, This class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link or Go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Well, hi and welcome back. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and I am here as moderator with Professor Wilson, and this is Current Issues in the Constitution. And before we get started, I just want to um, you know give a little plug for that government and elections class. Uh, the children and I really really enjoyed that and just some of the things I want to point out um, a couple of things one is it comes with a, a list of vocabulary words and definitions that just understanding those is worth the price of the course I mean it has a very very extensive vocabulary list as well as a cumulative test at the end and uh, that is again um, wonderful because you can really assess how much the children have learned after taking the course. And so if you um, are, you know, gearing up for the presidential elections that are coming up um, in a couple of years, that is a wonderful course to get your family um, on target. And, uh, you know, truthfully, it's a great a series to do with the entire family, not just with your kids, you know, with the adults as well, because I, you know, as you know, Woody, I'm always telling you, I'm learning more, I think, sometimes than my kids.
1: (laughs) Or at least as much.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great. So we've been discussing um, about the, today we're talking about the elections and, you know, the incumbent president or the, the sitting president and, you know, how he has sex the election and the outcome, especially for you know people who are within his party, and um, I know that the reports are that we're hoping to gain um, many seats uh, upcoming, especially in some of the governor races. And we're finding that they are very neck and neck. Uh, Florida, Alaska, I believe, are the two. How, how are they doing in your neck of the woods in uh, West Virginia, Woody?
1: Uh, we have one uh, senatorial race and. Um... The Republican is ahead by 21 points. So it's, okay. that's a, that's a given. That's a definite Republican pickup seat. Okay. So no problem. No. There. Our other uh, senator, uh, Joe Manchin, former governor, is a Democrat, but he is a very conservative, what we call a blue, go- blue dog Democrat. And he votes with Republicans more often than he votes with Democrats whenever there's a vote in the Senate, which is almost never during the last four years totally dysfunctional um, wow. they just passed continuing resolutions to continue what they did the previous year they make no attempt to solve problems um, of any kind it's just basically an obstructionist Senate under the control of Democrats and Majority Leader Harry Reid so our, uh, in fact I hear people saying that our Senator Joe Manchin the Democrat is very frustrated very discouraged and he's thinking about coming back home and running for governor again. Uh, he's just uh, fed up with Washington, D.C. I hope that's mm-hmm. not true. I hope he will stay there. Now, his family is solid, multi generational, died in the wool Democrats, and he'll never switch to the Republican Party, but nonetheless, um, in his heart, he is Republican. Uh, one, once upon a time in America and once upon a time in West Virginia, everybody was conservative. Everybody, Democrats were conservative, and Republicans were more conservative. And then the liberalism came out of the 1960s, and uh, things changed. So Republicans remained conservative, and liberals drifted off way down to the left. Well, people like Joe Manchin and his family in West Virginia did not drift with them. They kept the name Democrat, uh, but they remained uh, conservative in in their values. So West Virginia is a solid uh, conservative state now.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for the update there. You know, another question uh, that has been um, something that we've discussed uh, in detail with my family is why you vote, um, you know, they call it an off-election and there's probably uh, a midterm election or, you know, what's the term, Woody, for a non um an yeah, and some not... people
1: call it an off-year off election. I don't have any idea what they mean. I don't know what off-year means. <laughs> Is that, okay. Does that mean it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't last year or what? But I, I always call it a congressional election or a midterm election. Midterm okay. meaning the first election was a presidential congressional election, George Washington and so on, 1789. The second one uh, was a congressional election. and The third one was a presidential congressional. So in between that one in three, you have mid, middle, or midterm, so I think that's an okay term, or just congressional. So you mm-hmm. could say we've got a presidential election year, but understand, all you citizens out there, that a presidential election also has a congressional election. A congressional election is the same every two years. All representatives, one-third, roughly, of senators, every two years will face the voters, And every four years, they'll be joined by a presidential race as well. And really, you know, that's what this election is really all about. Now, first of all, if you've been to Real Clear Politics, you have seen that Republicans have solid control in the House of Representatives. They're going to pick up even more seat in the House of Representatives. But the real contest is for control of the Senate. Now, going into this race a couple of months ago, uh, you've had 55, well, actually 53 Democrats, two independents who caucus with the Democrats. So you have 55 senators that essentially are voting a Democratic bloc and 45 Republicans. All right, the question is, can Republicans pick up enough seats to take the majority? And it appears that, based on numbers, the answer is yes, they will take the majority in the Senate. Now, that uh, there is this caveat, and it just always makes me very nervous. Um, There is voter fraud and a lot of it, and there also is the Democratic ground game. They spend a lot of money going into the ghettos, going into various communities and areas of the city, and getting people to the polls and telling them how to vote, and they are very, very good at that. Republicans don't do that. Uh, Republicans are at work, uh, earning money, paying taxes, raising their kids, and so on. You don't organize them and get them in buses and take them to the polls. They'll get in their own car and drive there, thank you very much, and they'll vote as they see fit. Uh, they don't vote as a herd uh, so much. So you look at a race like Florida example. We were talking about how uh, Charlie Crist is doing so well. he got a lot of people in entitlements. You've got a lot of minority votes. And, uh, of course, you've got environmental votes and things like that and add it all together. That's a pretty good block of voters. And there probably are some people who are profiting from the Affordable Care Act, people that couldn't afford uh, insurance before. So if you're a Democrat and you say you're a Democrat, whether you are or not, as in Charlie Crist's case, you're going to get a lot of votes. So you're going to have a close race. But going back to the Senate. I was happily surprised this morning. I hadn't been to RCP or Real Clear Politics for three or four days, and I went to Real Clear Politics, and I noticed there had been a change. There had been 10 toss-ups, and now there are only eight. Two toss-ups were moved into the Republican column. So right now, take out the toss-ups. That means toss-up. That means there's eight of them. It's, all right. of those are very, very close within the margin of error sometimes, 2 3% difference. And it's very difficult to say, especially when you keep in mind voter fraud and the Democratic ground game. A lot of these Republicans are ahead in these races by two or three points, but that might not be enough to overcome voter fraud and um, the Democratic ground game, so we've got to wait and see. But the thing is, when I went there this morning, Republicans have 47 seats now. Democrats still have 45 Um, And that's taking out the toss-up votes. So eight toss-up votes, and Republicans will have to win four of those to take the Senate with 51 seats. If they only get three, then it's 50-50. The president is a vice president, is a Democrat. That means Democrats will still control the Senate. So -hmm. it's going to come down to those eight toss-up states. And according to all the pundits – All of the poll watchers and the people that do the polls, uh, Republicans, are going to take the Senate. And there's also a lot of talk now about what we call a wave election. It comes along every now and then. It is very hard to recognize, very difficult to predict, but it's like a tidal wave on Election Day. Here it comes swooping in, carrying Republicans into the Senate. There are people out there saying that Republicans are not going to just take the Senate. They're going to take 10 seats. They're going to have 55 or 56 seats. Other more hedging their bets type of pundits will say, well, 51, 52 maybe. Uh, But if this wave comes in, and it always, whenever this does happen, it would happen in the Ronald Reagan days, it just sweeps the nation. And people just it's the day before the election or it's election day and just people are beginning to say to each other, I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm mad as heck. I'm not going to take this anymore. And they vote for whoever's not in office. Uh, and that would go the mm-hmm. Republican way. So if that wave does develop, and it has happened, um, it could be a real Republican sweep in the Senate. If it doesn't, right. and then again, and once again, I hate to keep saying it, but factoring in voter fraud and Democratic ground game. Um I still think it's highly likely that Republicans will pick up four of these seats. Now, if you go to Real Real Clear Politics and click on the battle for Senate and look at those toss-up states, look at all all eight of them, uh, you'll see things are looking pretty good for Republicans up and down the line, notwithstanding Uh, the two caveats.
0: Right. So we just need to keep that in prayer and make sure that we get everyone out to vote. And I'm really happy that we have five people in my family who are all eligible to vote. Yes. And, um, you know, we've gone over our our ballot, which they send in the mail, which is really nice because you can fill it out ahead of time and then just go in. And it makes it easier because we have some other things on our ballot. And that's what the kids and I were talking about, why these, um, you know, midterm or congressional elections, whichever term you prefer, are so important. And that is because on our ballot, there is a uh, referendum for the medical marijuana. And then also there are some hospital board members, um, which I normally don't know anyone who is running. And I actually do know one doctor who is. Uh, So, you know, that's nice. But most of the time it's really difficult. Um, You know, we think, well, why is that important? But it is very important because it affects our lives. Uh, With the medical marijuana, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned it on one of the other programs, but I went to an entrepreneurial uh, get-together seminar series uh, just a, a month ago, or at the beginning of this month, I guess it was, and I was shocked to see on each table uh, that on the cover of this program was uh, the headlines of medical marijuana and how investors will be cashing in. So they're looking at this not from a, you know, a perspective. I would be looking at it from a moral dilemma. And they're looking yeah. at it as, this is a great cash cow. And then I found out, when I mentioned to somebody else at the table, and I was sitting with the table of attorneys, that there are um, grounds already being prepared farm-wise for this crop um, in the event that this passes, that all these, you know, they have been planning and they said, well, if it doesn't pass this time, it will pass another time. We have a... A very staunch Democrat um, who calls himself Catholic, and it's another one of those Catholics by name, I believe. Um, he likes to pull that out and say, you know, that he went to this church and prayed and whatever in his commercials. He's very, very vocal in Florida. Uh, his signs are all over the place. Well, I think his his office is based in Tampa, but um, which is two hours from where I live, but he's got billboards all over my town. And so he's a very familiar name and he's pushing for it for his brother who is a paraplegic and, um, you know, saying that this is something God made. Yeah. He's trying to pull, you know, pull all his cards, um, you know, appealing, uh, to Christians who, um, would think, you know, that this isn't a good thing. And I have, uh, talked to, um, you know, one of my friends whose husband is a pain med doctor and he said, it is very difficult to regulate dosage on medical marijuana. You know, it's such a, a, a new thing. Um, but they're playing it as, well, the pharmaceutical companies just want to keep you on medicine and all it would take is a chewing gum-sized piece. And, you know, just appealing. You know, I'm looking at it, too, from a, um, a marketing perspective. These guys are geniuses, Woody. I mean, they're just, yeah. you know, they're talking about church and gum and, you know, <laughs> all of these familiar things that you can relate to and, sure, why shouldn't this guy's, you know, brother who's a paraplegic be pain? You know, uh, why should he be in pain? So there's all of these different things that come to play and I know this will just be the beginning, um, you know, of bringing, you know, legalizing marijuana, which... You know, exactly, just, uh, they don't,
1: you don't want to let' them get the foot in the door yeah. now, up here in West Virginia. It will be a cold day, and you know where when any kind of drug becomes legal that would just that would never even make it onto the ballot up here, Of course, we're yeah. a very conservative state, I'm happy to say it's a good place to live yeah, not so well, not I, so in other parts of the country,
0: yeah, that's you know it it is so so that's you know. Very important wherever you are to really look at that ballot to make an effort. I know some of you have, you know, quite a few children, um, you know, as my daughter does. And so she and her husband take turns. He goes in the morning before work and he comes home and she goes and votes. So very, very important to, you know, make the effort um, to get to the polls Because whether it's a mid-year election or it's a presidential um, election and congressional election, it doesn't matter. We really need to vote. Um, You know, we need to stop complaining and put our vote uh, behind um, those candidates that are really going to at least attempt to make some changes. And we just need to keep... um, Keep the pressure on you know um, I, I see a lot of people and what I have to say you know um, some of them were families that took the both the American history class and the government class I see them very very active now on the political front locally where I haven't seen that in past years and I know a lot of it is because of the classes because of of being reminded of what the U.S. Constitution stands for for all Americans, of explaining some things very clearly um, in an understandable fashion, you know, uh, that, that uh, they have taken up this mantle and um, have gotten very involved uh, in, in the school board locally um, against the Common Core, among other things, and, um, you know, Basically, a lot of parents are pulling their kids out of school. They're even estimating there's a a big um, well, a big meeting at the beginning of next month, and they're estimating that there will be thousands of disgruntled parents who are being given a voice through these action committees that have been set up. And one of the members, um, you know, doing this is our own Tara Jenner, <laughs> who's gotten very yes. involved. So, um, you sounds know, sounds like know, a
1: grassroots movement.
0: It is, and she's she's saying that they're estimating. I mean, she's not in charge of it, but they're estimating thousands, maybe, leaving the school system because of they're they're not getting the answers that they want. So um, keep
1: me keep me posted on that.
0: I will. I will. I'm I'm attending the meeting, Um, and we even have an HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense um, attorney, is going to be in Florida for another conference in Orlando and so he was already here they knew that and they planned um to have him come to Fort Myers uh to speak so it was very you know perfect god timing and um you know he's an attorney and very well versed in common core very well versed in homeschooling and he will be there to answer questions for these people so yeah um you know great to have people you know, with these grassroots movements. And I am going to pray for that tile wave, or can I call it, to sweep through you know, um, you know. with the elections. And, yeah, go ahead.
1: You know, on the Republican side, you've got the uh, wave potential. On the Democratic side, you've got the voter fraud and ground game potential. So which one will carry the day? Um, it will be very interesting. It's going to be very close. And right now, I would not predict. I would not bet on it. Uh, just It's just too uncertain, too close, too uncertain. And it is uh, awfully I look, important.
0: I look forward to our, our next uh, time we get together, which is in a week from now, where we'll take a look at the election. So if you're listening to this, then it is timely for you to listen. We hope you join us. And either way, we hope you – have learned a lot about the importance of the elections and our uh, ability as U.S. citizens to vote. And, uh, you know, also many of us are, you know, have faith and, um, will continue to pray that, you know, that, that a, a little, we'll get a little bit of a reprieve at least and hopefully we'll have a lame duck president, um, with, uh, after this election.
1: Well, he's lame so, duck anyway.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> you were going to say that, Woody. <laughs>
1: well, 40%, 40% approval oh. rating. That's, that is lame yeah, duck all pretty, the way. Pre, pretty lame.
0: Oh, my gosh. All right, Woody. Well, listen, you take care, and I will talk to you for our next session. Bye-bye.
1: All right, Felice. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on... Ultimate Radio And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit American History See you next week.